Okay, so we talked the last couple of weeks about Ruth. Um, I want to go, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Naomi and Ruth, their relationship. Uh, she had to have been a great mentor for Ruth to want to stay with her no matter what. So, today I found an article, if you haven't looked at Come Fill Your Cup, their website, they have great Bible resources and articles, um, a lot of Oklahoma women that write these, um, it's just, it's a great little tool. So, our great niece is one of the people who writes, oh, is she? And, re- and, and they're related to the people who started that. Yeah, so they have a lot of great stuff on on their website. So that's where this comes from. This is an article about mentoring. Um, So we're going to, I'm going to read through that, and we're going to kind of discuss some of the aspects to this. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. What was the website again? Come fill your cup. Okay. Okay, so you think you're old. Well, you're old, older than someone. Or, sorry, you don't think you're old. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that. <laughs> um, you're older than someone. Even you, right? Yeah. Um, to be the older woman that touches the lives of the younger women, we must be the holy women that God intended us to be. So, for number one, we're going to talk about being holy. Get to know Jesus, be a godly woman, then others will naturally be attracted to you and come to you for advice. Thinking back, godly women are the ones that I turn to. Did I ask for child-rearing advice from the woman who had no boundaries for her children? Did I ask the woman who let her child wander up and down the pew how to get my children to sit during worship? Did I ask for advice about how to love my husband when he's not lovable from the woman who always puts her husband down? Or did I ever turn to the one that seemed burdened by her Christianity and was always complaining? No is the obvious answer to all these questions. Strive to be Christ-like. As I continue to talk with women, older and younger alike, I'm finding some of the same thoughts repeated by several of them. Okay, any thoughts on that? We need some crickets chirping. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to ask advice about parenting. If, I, I mean, kids are... I, I would disagree in the sense that kids have different personalities and some kids are harder to raise than others. So just because your kids act out doesn't necessarily mean you, were, you weren't... You didn't have good advice on how to rear children like that. But I would look for somebody who did try and set discipline and did try and do certain things, um, the same goals that I was trying to achieve in my children, and ask for advice on that. And sometimes it is helpful to ask someone who had a failure um, or had struggles of what do you wish you could have done differently, or how would you how would you have changed some things when you're going through that. Okay. 
I always felt the same way about the Catholic priest. How did they give marriage advice or raising children when they've never been in anything? I, that always, you know, that was just always weird to me. If you've not been in the situation, you can give it outside of you, yes, but you don't have that internal knowledge. And I don't see how they, that that's kind of goes along with what you're saying. If you've not been in it, how can you give advice on it? Yes, and, and those are good points. Um, when Before I had kids, I was very like, I would not let my child do that. I would, <laughs> that child is wild, <laughs> you know. Um, and now, you know, like going through the grocery store after having my own children, you know, you see a child crying or yelling or, you know, something, and I just feel like, oh, that poor mom. <laughs> because I've been there, I've gone through that, and I, and I have good children. That children will do things. Um, so yeah, I have more of that mercy than I had when I was a younger woman before kids. Barbara, a friend of mine from grad school was a Catholic priest, and he said like the least helpful class he thought that he ever took was marriage in the family who's like taught by a celibate priest to a room full of men. <laughs> Just on the topic of mentorship, I was thinking about an exchange between my parents and a lot of you all of course know them. But my mom said something like, you know, you see these like these sweet, godly women, these older women in the faith who are just, you know, still faithful, still encouraging and she's like, I just want to be, you know, like one of those sweet little old ladies someday and my dad was like Start Did he laugh? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think he realized that like, that was not an appropriate response. <laughs> but I think it says a lot, like you said, we're all older than someone, but that doesn't diminish the effect that we can have regardless of the age that we have. You know, again, there were these women who were, you know, at the time, like in their 70s and beyond, that were an inspiration to my mom. And so, um, you know, I think there's always so much we can glean from people who are in different stages of life. Okay, so number two, don't be judgmental and critical. Um, that's not only not holy behavior, <laughs> you don't know where others are coming from. Uh, they need lifted up, not pushed further down. I was reminded by one young mother that we must remember that so many Christian women were not raised in Christian families and are, are starving for help and training from older women. Never assume that a young wife and mother knows a better way to do things and just chooses not to. She may not know at all. Um, thoughts? There is a saying, uh, don't compare your life to others. You have no idea what their journey is all about. And, that's be and that includes, comparing life, that would include judging. You know, have no idea what their journey is all about. So, that speaks to that. Well, I think we have to assume good motives. You know, there's so often a reason that people do what they do, even if that reason is not one we understand. You know, and like, it's not a great example, but I'll be in my car, I'm like, why are you slowing down right now? And then they turn, and I'm like, oh, 
You didn't have your blinker on, but that's... <laughs> you were slowing down because you were preparing to like, take the next step. And so, um, you know, even especially like with other moms, and it's easy to criticize other moms, even those of us who've been humbled by raising our own children. But just to think like almost always, there's so few things that are done you know, by adults that don't have some justification in their mind. Like, this is why I'm responding to my child this way. And maybe it's because I am, you know, overwhelmed and stressed and that's, you know, not the best response. But I think if we look for why people are doing what they're doing and assume that they have good motives, then that, you know, helps us give them the benefit of the doubt and then prevents us from being critical and judgmental in a way that we wouldn't want people to be of us. Yes. <clears throat> and um, so I'll tell you a personal experience um, because this kind of goes along with lifting others up and not pushing them down. So I went to a ladies' class, um, brand new, didn't really know anyone, and um, they had sign up sheets for helping with various things. And the sheet gets to me. And, it, you know, the lines have two people, you can put two people on it, so that way you kind of have a buddy to work. Um, I put my name on a line, and the lady next to me is like, oh, no, you can't do that. Uh, like, kind of a harsh tone. And she was very, like, you're not, you can't sign up for right here. That's mine. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being embarrassed because I'm like, I had no idea. I thought we were supposed to have two people. And um, thankfully, I'm very thankful that that didn't keep me from going because some people, that would have been like, I'm not coming back to this ladies group. Mm -hmm. It didn't keep me from going, but it did make it very uncomfortable with that person to where uh, I kind of avoided them because I was like, they're a little snappy and you know um and I look at that and I think that was a missed opportunity we could have been great friends if she had said oh good you're with me let me show you how to work this kitchen let me show you where the things are let me show you how to do this you know if we had just tweaked that just a little bit think of the different relationship that I would have had with this person instead of when I around trying to avoid them and I'm gonna go sit over on this side <laughs> you know what I mean so I think sometimes we have to think about things like that and look for those opportunities um, that someone that's newer or younger that we can show them how that we can build up those relationships Anyways, that's just my personal experience on that one. Just the fact that, you know, the younger moms get here with their kids, especially for, you know, Bible class and stuff, that's a feat. I mean, it's not something you just walk out the door. So, I mean, if nothing else, you just encourage them for being here. And they're yes. here with mismatched shoes or no yeah. shoes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Kids are the only ones that come to church and mismatch shoes. I've done that before. <laughs> 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 one, one day, I got a blue shoe and a black shoe. And I said, 
underwear wrong side out. Five <laughs> thirty in the morning comes early. Yeah. My daughter was in the two-year-old class, and Sally Morrow was her teacher or something, and she was Jennifer was always real bashful, but for some reason she didn't put on any, didn't have any panties on that day. And she said, "I don't have any panties on." <laughs> you never know what come out of a mouth of babe, but we're gonna say. Right? Um, when you say. <coughs> I think most people, they don't go, I'm going to judge you. But a lot, if I've been, they go, I'm going to give you some constructive criticism. I, and I go, oh, it's just criticism. <laughs> they think they can get away with it by saying constructive criticism. And it's just criticism. And, yeah. and like you say, I go, some of it is good if it was just tweaked to be more kind and uh, more empathetic yeah. well, to I their think, situation. I think of like worship, I can think of a situation where you know there's a family that's newer, yeah. has a lot of kids, and the kids are a little bit unruly. So in one instance, someone can go up well-meaning and say, I've got some you know, constructive criticism, you know, let me give you offer some suggestions of how to keep your kids better behaved during worship. A better option would be, hey, can I sit with you next Sunday? And then help the kids without telling the mom, I'm going to show you how to parent your child during worship, but be the example and have the activities for the kids to do and whatever, but do it instead of tell them. Yeah, I've gone back to the nursery and picked up books and things. We've had someone sitting in front of us and just gone back and said, here, maybe they would enjoy playing with these. Yeah. And, you know, it works. It's, and you're not making them feel bad. And instead of right. one interaction, like you are building a relationship, so it's better. That comes to our next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Build relationships. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I was thinking of, of this uh, during Stephen's funeral. Uh, when the kids were little, you know, you got two babies and... It was very, very hectic. Um, and um, the popes always have, a, have had a, a persona of being very dignified, very proper, that sort of thing. And for some reason, they sat on the baby side. And I never quite understood that, you know, because... <laughs> um, but I remember after one really, really rough Sunday... And we had things for them to do. They had their, you know, they had their bags and things. And um, But we had just been in and out and in and out with the kids. And bless her heart, Joanne leaned over and she said, Susan, you guys keep bringing those babies. <laughs> and she said, I took Stephen out nine times one Sunday. <laughs> and he was a handful. I mean, he was. He was just honoring and she said, and that was just always such an encouragement to me that someone that had that persona of not putting up with stuff, you know, had been there, you know. And um, that was an encouragement to me. And so I try to be aware. Yeah, I mean, it's irritating whenever kids are doing things. But when there's not that noise and not that voices, that says something about your congregation as well. And... Um, so I just she was she was really an encouragement 
to me. And so we often sat in front of the Pope's because I knew she wouldn't care. <laughs> yes. Um, so build relationships. <clears throat> Teaching, encouraging, training will be achieved best through our relationships with one another. Most women are saying that at the times they have at times they have learned the most from older women are when they were at a luncheon or a ladies' Bible study class or some other gathering. I'm finding that the older women who are fulfilling this commandment uh, are the older women that have chosen to spend time with the younger women. They put out extra effort to be at fellowship activities or to have women into their homes. They are the women visiting the younger women before and after services. They are the women building relationships. This goes for the younger women too. How can you learn from older women if you are not spending any time with them? Building relationships requires two things from us. First, that we love one another. Jesus commanded his disciples uh, in John 13, 34 to love one another. Um, and let's turn over to that. John 13, 34. Someone willing to read that for me? I give you a new command, love each other. You must love each other just as I have loved you. Also in John 15, 12 through 13. So just a page or two over. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. So he tells them again to love one another just as he has loved them. He even goes on to say, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. If you don't consider your Christian sisters as friends, you're in big trouble. The world has become filled with apathy and, is, uh, and it's now in the church. Uh, what is apathy? Webster defines it as a lack of feeling or emotion, a lack of interest or concern. Surely that isn't you. Surely you are following the commandment that is given many, many times in the Word that tells us to love one another. Uh, as I took a look at my own heart recently, I was so afraid that I was letting apathy creep in. I looked and saw someone that was giving in to the attitude of, why should I put the extra effort out if no one else does? Why should I show special caring for people who don't seem to care? I looked at the reflection in my heart and I was so broken by what I was allowing myself to become. What a disappointment I was to myself because I knew I was disappointing my father. Uh, thoughts? Um, this one <clears throat> kind of hits me because um, I think of Sandy Day. 
she was really good about going up, especially to young mothers, and just and lots of people. I mean, we all know it was it was Sandy. She really wanted to reach out to everyone. Um, she is one of the main reasons why we decided to make our home in Eastside is because when I was toting around that baby, she was coming up and saying, you're doing a great job. And, and she was in the baby room going, I want these babies. I love these babies and making special little Bibles for them. And just, she, I mean, she really set the bar high. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about, it would have been interesting to see Sandy in her 20s or 30s because I'm sure it took a lot of years for her to build up to where she was and what she was doing. And she did a lot of great things, and I think she reached out to a lot of young mothers um, with encouragement, and, and she was always inviting. And me, personally, I am a little more closed off. I have to really work at going up to someone on Sunday morning, especially new people. So if you see me do that, that is not a comfort zone for me. That I have to step out of my box to do those things. Um, doing this class, I have to step out of my box to do those things. And sometimes I think we get very comfortable. We have our groups that we like to hang out with, which is great. But what about um, the new family that came in? Are we being inviting to them? Did we... Um, invite them to something once and then they couldn't do it for whatever reason, sickness or a schedule thing, and then we just said, well, they just don't want to and not invite them anymore. Um, sometimes we need to invite people even though we know they're going to say no because we want to leave that door open um, and in case they ever change their mind. Maybe they realize, hey, I'm, I'm missing out on some great stuff and if we have that door closed, we don't give them an opportunity to come in to our group. Um, you know, we don't. We want to be inviting. Any other thoughts? No. Okay. So second is building relationships requires us to clear up our schedule, make time for each other. Older women, surely you have a grip on some part of your schedule that you can spare an hour or two for lunch one day or dinner one evening. Young mothers, your child doesn't need to be in every type of activity um, or whatever class or thing you have them in. Um, we, have, we have filled our schedules with worldly activities. I didn't say sinful, and now we have no time for each other. Uh, and we're going to turn over to Ephesians 5.16. What was the scripture again? Ephesians 5.16. Make sure you're loud. Chapter 17. Just verse 16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. To make the most of our time, 
Don't forget what you're here for. We must make time for the family of God. Any thoughts on that? Well, that's, it. <clears throat> that's exactly what happened uh, to uh, a group of us that were uh, my age. We were getting together every Sunday night, uh, just staying and eating and playing games. But as soon as the kids got uh, old enough to be in all these activities, people stopped coming. Well, but my kids got to get to bed early because of school. And it just, uh, it just stopped. Or they had ball games on Sunday night. It just stopped. So. Um, and that's a hard thing because we, we want to let our kids do other activities, yeah. but I think it is important for us to make sure that we are making time, um, not just our kids, but for ourselves too, to be with fellow Christians. Um, it is much easier to take food to someone that's sick if you have a relationship with them. Um, it's much easier to go visit someone in a nursing home if you've built up a relationship with them. Um, it's much easier to watch someone's child if you have built a relationship with them. Um, and I think sometimes uh, it's not bad to have relationships outside of church, but I think um, we have so many things going on that we forget to build those relationships in the church. I really admire what Jack and Anna have been doing. You know, I'm trying to get acquainted with the congregation. Mm -hmm. Inviting that many people at one time, <laughs> or that few, but still and yet opening their homes and setting that example for their children. That is just commendable. Yes. Well, Helen, let me commend you. <laughs> Didn't for years y'all got to, sometimes it's better to show hospitality to different age groups when you get together. Canifaxes, Martindales, Carters, and Thompsons, y'all would get together and do a meal and Saturday night, Friday or Saturday night? On a Friday, the first Friday night it seemed like. Of every, and month. you would invite people from the yeah. church of different ages. Yeah. And I got to, I was the recipient of that, and I got to know, well, Mark and Tammy, <laughs> when they first, uh, and I tell you Mark what, was first here. The one time Bill and Betty invited Aline Hill. Now, you younger ones don't know who that is. I tell you, and they went and got her, and she was the most entertaining elderly lady. I mean, it was such a joy to be around this older lady. And she just had the best time mm -hmm. just being invited, included in, in a group. Right. So, yeah, that was lots of fun. Thanks. Okay. Well, an example, it's easier to show hospitality if you have maybe someone to do it with. Yeah. And yeah. then you so invite different yeah. ages over yeah. and on a regular basis. So I always thought that was great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at a time right now where it's, the busiest because of the age my kids are. And so it's, it's a struggle trying to balance what we can do and what we can't do. And I'm finding that there's a difference between what we can't do and what we're too tired to do. 
<laughs> and so we're we're trying to say yes to things sometimes even when we're tired. Um, just because I, as I look at it, I mean, Logan's going to be a junior this year. Lane's going to be a freshman. So that window of opportunity is, is very short. So it's balancing the family dynamic and that strengthening our family and strengthening our kids, but then also not losing our Christian relationships and things in the balance. So it's, it's a very hard, I don't know, this is a hard balancing act. But then I'm looking at this, I only have four more years essentially left with my kids in the home. In four years, if I haven't done anything with my Christian family, I'm not going to have relationships in four years to, you know, because all of a sudden I'm going to have a whole bunch of time on my hands. And I'm going to need, I'm going to be sad, so I need people to like, you know, give me some joy. And, but if I let all those relationships go in the next four years, then I won't have those people to fall back on to bring me out of my depression from my kids leaving. So, um, I don't know, maybe I'll be happy and kick them out. But, <laughs> but I, I'm really struggling with that right now, trying to remember, even when I'm super tired, just do it, go ahead and go, because I need to continue those relationships and and not let it not let it lapse completely. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. And we're not perfect. But I think the difference is are we putting in effort or are we just coming in and filling the pew and then going home? Mm-hmm. Are we trying to make an effort to talk to other people? I mean I'll be honest, there's that first Sunday that I did this class, you guys, I am an introvert. Talking wears me out. <laughs> um, I went home like right after church. I didn't talk to anyone. I was like, "Let's go," <laughs> um, because that that wears me out. Um, other people are really good at talking, but something I've noticed: we have a lot, especially the women here. We have a lot of introvert women. Um, talking is very draining um but i you know i think if we make an effort to like i said step outside that box even if it's just once in a while um that can make a big difference to somebody else i'm going to talk about um our bible classes so we have a hard time getting bible class teachers um our our little ones I mean, almost every quarter, they're like, hey, we need, we need help. Somebody help. Um, and something I've wanted to do for a long time is the mentoring. Have I done that yet? No. But what happens if we teach a Bible class and we go to someone younger than us and say, hey, would you mind being my helper? Maybe they've never done a Bible class in their life, and this is a good <coughs> intro to getting them in there and being, um, this isn't so scary. They're just, they're just kids. You, you read your Bible stories, you sing songs, you can play games with them, um, and then it's not so scary. And again, Sandy was really good about that. She's, she took multiple women that had never done Bible class, and, and Carol's done this too, and brought them in as helpers. And then eventually you get comfortable to where it's like, I know these kids. I can do this. And then you can be a lead teacher. 
And there's a big difference between an, an announcement from the pulpit of we need Bible class teachers mm -hmm. to an individual person <coughs> going to someone and saying, hey, would you yes. coming in for a week? Because I, I did that with Rachel and Levi. Um, when Chris and I were going to be gone one week, I was intentionally trying to think of someone who's not in a Bible class already teaching and someone who's younger who I can, you know, start that up. And so I brought their names up to Chris. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So we went to them and said, hey, we're going to be gone a week. Can you come with us for one week and just watch us teach? And then you take it the next week. And they're like, yeah, sure. And if I had put an announcement up, I probably wouldn't have had anybody yeah. come to me. But mm -hmm. if I, I had gone individually to them and said, hey, do you mind? We really need your help. It, it makes a huge difference. And that's how I got roped into teaching, you know, 30 years ago. Yes. was Dean Waller came to me and said, hey, would you mind helping me in the third grade room? Sure. It's totally different than a pulpit ask. So what would happen if we did that with all the younger women in the congregation? All the younger men in the congregation? I, I mean, we could, we could really grow this just by a simple, hey, would you come help me with Bible class and kind of showing them the ropes. Um, and then at the same time, by doing that, you're getting an opportunity to start building a little bit of a relationship with those people. Um, so just, just some food for thought if you're teaching a Bible class or if you haven't taught one and you would like to help mentor someone. That's an area specifically that I know that we are always looking for help with. I'm sure there's multiple areas um, that probably don't even know about um, but if we don't ask people we don't we don't have people to fill those positions um, and I will be honest I am NOT the greatest Bible teacher I but I do it because I think it's important for our kids I think there are some people that are very gifted at it I'm not one of those people <laughs> but I do it anyways and I take my kids into the class with me because that's a mentoring in itself. Um, and I've, uh, they already tell me, we want to teach Bible classes. We want to do that. And that is a great thing. We need Bible class teachers. Um, some kids, you know, I think about growing up, if I didn't have Bible classes, we were not a family that read our Bible at home. We came to church and we read the Bible. Um, so if I didn't have those Bible classes, I don't know if I would be the Christian woman I am today. Because now I see as an older woman that it's important to read our Bible, not just at church, but at home. Um, so there are things that you're giving those children, planting those seeds, that you might, you might not see for a long, long time. But those things are still important. Uh, so a little recap. Be holy. Be joyful. Be humble. Don't be critical. And build those relationships. And I think, I, I really liked this article because I felt like it hit home and I felt like it would, it would, these were things that I personally need to work on and be better at. Um, I also have a couple of other verses in here. First uh, Peter 4, verse 10.
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Uh, so back to Naomi. We look at her and look at that relationship that she has with Ruth. I'm pretty sure she was using her gifts to serve others. And that's most likely why Ruth was so attached to her and wanted to leave everything behind to go with her. Uh, Okay, Titus chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 3. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. They can train the younger women. Um, That stood out to me in what we were reading today. And again, going back to Naomi and Ruth, pretty sure she was training these younger women. Um, Thoughts? Thank you for teaching this class, even though it was out of your comfort zone. Thank you. It is hard. Sometimes we still have to step out outside of our comfort zone and give something a try. Um, sometimes just to mentor other people. We used to have a mentoring program here at Eastside for the older women and the younger women. It's been several years ago. Heather was one of my mentees. I was. <laughs> it was great working with her. I think I learned more from her than she learned from me. <laughs> I think you're right, though, Heidi. And I think a lot of times we, we get to the point where we're just like, oh, well, as long as we're doing this right, and others will see, and they'll want to, you know, do a you know, pattern something after us or whatever. But everything is intentional in the scripture. Is they will train. That's an active verb. And it's not just a passive, I'm going to live a Christian life. It's, I'm actively going to seek to train someone younger than me. And we have to keep that in our mindset. And it doesn't say what age. So it's just someone younger, and there's always someone yeah. younger. There's, yeah, there's always someone younger than you. Um, even for a 12-year-old, mm-hmm. there is someone younger that she can be an example to and mentor. Um, and I just think I just think that's so important for us as a Christian family to to do those things and build things up. Um, any other thoughts? I was just gonna say I think we're more receptive to, you know, because it says then they can urge the other woman to the younger woman to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled and pure, if those relationships are there. And I know we've talked about that, but. Um, I'm far more likely to be receptive to somebody that I know cares about me and my relationship with my daughter and my husband, um, you know, and that I can see is reaching out in love. And not always, but I think sometimes we maybe tend to gravitate to our own ages 
but there's such a richness and so much wisdom from that we can gain from relationships with older women in the church. Um, and then it creates those opportunities for I mean, us to influence those who are younger than us and then to be influenced by those who are older than us, you know, if, if there are those family bonds.